What's going on, guys? Back at you here, Everyday Scout, episode 11? 11. 11. Time's flying. Um, closing up on the season here. This is our, uh, this is our last episode before our week one preview next Wednesday. Yep. This is really exciting stuff. So what we got for you guys today is some notes around the league. Got some running back talk, some safety talk. Been the two positions uh, mainly in the news lately. And then it's our awards episode. So we'll be going over the majority of the major NFL honors awards that are usually awarded at the end of the year. That includes comeback player of the year, offensive and defensive rookie of the year, coach of the year, offensive and defensive player of the year, and MVP. And as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Duncan Stevenson. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, Duncan, let's just get right into the news. All right, so obviously a lot of things going on this week. Probably the biggest storyline, or one of the biggest storylines, was Leonard Fournette being cut by the Jaguars. Um I mean, and this is just going to go down as an all-time bad draft pick uh, by yeah. Jacksonville, especially with who was behind him, Deshaun Watson, mainly. Everybody loves to, to say, like, oh, you picked this guy over Mahomes. But I think that's a bogus argument because when the Chiefs took Mahomes at 10, that was a shock to everybody. No one thought he would go that high. So I don't think that's quite as legitimate. But Deshaun Watson was there. They had Bortles at the time. And, you know, this is actually interesting because this could apply to this coming draft. A lot because there's a lot of teams with young, unproven quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, Dwayne mm-hmm. Haskins, to name a couple. And just anyways, a lot of teams like that that might hold off on a quarterback like a, a Lawrence, a Fields, or a Lance because they think they have their young guy and that could come back to bite them. So that is something to keep your eye on. Um, yeah, I mean, going off that, like when people, I mean, the main joke is the Bears could have Mahomes, but a lot of people had Trubisky. The majority of Analysts, I would say, had Trubisky rated over Mahomes. I can't remember um, anyone that had Mahomes over Trubisky. Yeah. I can't um, remember anyone. But the argument when – for the Jags – or against the Jags, I mean, is you chose a running back over him. Right, right. And Fournette was obviously I, – I was never too high on Leonard Fournette. I definitely saw the talent, but I didn't think they were going to actually take a running back with the fourth overall pick in that draft. Um. And the confidence, if you even want to call it that, in Blake Bortles to select a running back at four. I yeah. mean, no, don't it's, forget it's that that Jaguar team. I mean, that 2017 defense, they were they were a couple plays away from the Super Bowl appearance. And Bortles did ball out that year. But it's, it's one of the – looking back in a couple of years, it's going to be one of the biggest what could – I mean, it is even right now, one of the biggest what could have beens. If that – if that Jacksonville team playing New England um, had Deshaun it, Watson, had Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes on it, yeah, yeah, just no, that that'd be a, a juggernaut in the AFC for Especially sure. all the running backs that were after, like McCaffrey at eight, obviously, but I mean Kamara, Eckler, a bunch of a bunch of better running backs from under. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Fournette's just like a, a more old school running back. Like I think ten years ago, he's a completely different player he's a, in the he's league. He's a two down thumper. He's a two-down thumper, and he was great at it in college. He dominated the SEC, but, you know, it just wasn't uh, transferable to the NFL. Anyways, another running back in the news, Joe Mixon, gets a four-year, $48 million deal. Maybe a Clyde Edward-Hilaire-esque role for him in this Bengals offense with Joe Burrow if they try to play to Burrow's strength, strengths and get five out in the route. 
as often as possible. And then Alvin Kamara might be on the yeah. trading block, but I would be shocked because I'd be shocked if they traded him away when Drew Brees still has another year left of championship yeah. window. So I, I'm not sure I buy that. I think that just might be a negotiating tactic. Yeah, he there's been it's been a roller coaster of a couple of days for Alvin Kamara. Um, he missed a whole week of practice, which or four days of practice, and with the new NFLPA policy, that's that's fifty thousand a day. So Kamara forfeited two hundred grand um, while holding out for a contract. I mean, if you guys are watching Hard Knocks. Melvin Ingram has been holding in for the Chargers, so he's been there. He's just not practicing. Whereas Kamara hasn't shown up at all, and that's where the the right. fines ensue. But the Saints came out and said that they tried to actively shop Kamara for a first-round pick, but their actual efforts weren't for to get a first-round pick. It was to show Kamara that nobody's going to give them a better, him a better contract offer. They came out and said that, right. which is kind of funny, but I think it's honestly a pretty smart tactic. I mean, Kamara's asking for McCaffrey 15, 16 mil-ish a year, and – then we just saw Joe Mixon get 12 mil that morning. So that definitely hurts him. Uh, I mean, what I didn't find out until this morning is that Kamara had an epidural in his spine, which might have had to do with him missing a couple of days there. But some injury concerns, I mean, I definitely think Alvin Kamara is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. I wouldn't pay a running back $16 million. No, but, but he, he's, he's going to play the on day, the Saints this year. He'll be on the Saints. Yes. No, he's going to be yeah, a Saint. No I mean, they even said that they're close on negotiations. I, I, it was just a, a leverage tactic yeah. is what it seems like. But the main right. thing everybody was talking about is how are you going to fight one of your, star, your, one of your star players on your team over a million or two and you just signed Jameis Winston for a couple million and signed Taysom Hill for an ungodly amount of money. Yeah. All right. Moving back over to the AFC West. couple injuries there. First, Tyrell Williams out for the year with a shoulder injury, so Henry Ruggs will really have to step up. And then, unfortunately, I felt for you when I saw this news, Derwin James out for the year. Um, it really is a shame because he's so good. Um, yeah, it's, I really hope we just get to see him play because he could truly be a Hall of Fame player. It's It's been a dark couple days for myself. <laughs> um say the least. I mean, Mike Williams got hurt last week in practice, which he's always been an injury-prone player. I mean, he broke his neck in college. Um, Chargers always had the injury bug, but now Derwin, after making first-team All-Pro as a rookie, is going to end up missing 27 of his last 32 games in three seasons. Uh, I actually saw a crazy stat that Derwin joins Bob Sanders, former Charger safety, Former has, defensive player of the year, if I recall. Yeah. With Indianapolis. Um, yeah. Um, as the only two players in NFL history to be a first-team All-Pro in their first three years and, own, and play less than 20 games or something. Right. So, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, Derwin had a foot procedure done his junior or senior year in college to repair that, but it's just – it's not looking great right now. I mean, he's expected to make a full recovery, but as it's we've seen over the years, it's just – you never know. These things stack up. I mean, you don't want to say injury prone, but when you miss – you miss time in college and now he's going to miss well, – he is, he is officially injury prone. 
Yeah. I mean, there's – but it just – two years in a row, it's non-contact in scrimmages. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a waste of talent, man. I mean, yeah. I I obviously don't want to get too far into it. I mean, I was watching hard. I just watched the Hard Knocks episode this week, and they showed the Mike Williams injury. I mean, I'm sure Derwin will. Derwin was the cover of the episode, but they didn't discuss his injury at all. So I'm sure they'll go into that on the final episode of Hard Knocks next week. But not looking forward to that. Um, yep. Yeah, we're tanking, but it's fine. Yep. All right. Anyways, now we're gonna get into our. Award predictions, who we think, each of us, uh, who we predict to take home some hardware after mm-hmm. the 2020 season, if it is played to completion, which hopefully it will be. Yes. Um, I'll get it started here with my comeback player of the year, and that is Matthew as, Stafford. Okay, and as per usual, just to remind everybody, we do not discuss our picks before the episode. Yeah, we do not discuss. So we're both hearing these, each other's for the first time. I have Matthew Stafford. As my comeback player of the year, he was hot last year right before he got hurt. Definitely. And I think the bigger part of this, you kind of got to think about storyline. So I really don't like that division that much. The Bears are kind of in shambles. It's the gross. Packers, I don't love. The Vikings, eh, I don't love. So it's a murky division up for grabs. If the Lions are somehow able to sneak into like a wild card spot, Stafford plays well. That's a good storyline. There'll be a lot of buzz around him. Yeah, I mean, I love the pick. I think. Stafford only ended up playing, what, eight and a half, nine-ish games last season. And it was looking to be one of the better years of his career. Uh, We've always been Stafford guys between the two of us. Um, We'll see how the back injury affects him um, because that's definitely not something to just brush off. But with comeback player of the year, it traditionally goes to a guy coming off of an injury or missing a majority of a season. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like to pick. I kind of went for a cop-out here. It's not a cop-out, obviously, considering it's a comeback player of the year. You know, like I said, banking on the health of an injured player. But I think it's a really popular pick. And that's going to be Big Ben for me. Um, right. I mean, I just – I love everything they've been doing in Pittsburgh. Um, I think one thing that's neglected is we added two wild-card teams this season. So two seven seeds. And this Steelers team last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph would have been a playoff They would have been a playoff team last year. Um, And, you know, Ben only played two games. Definitely an injury-prone guy. I mean, Big Ben's in a walking boot every month. That's a known thing. But, I mean, taking out last season, we're a year removed from Big Ben leading the league in passing. Yeah. No, he slings it around. Obviously, this six months of – or, I mean, nine months now of COVID has felt like five years in itself. So, when people bring up the 2018 season, I mean, 2018, you're looking at Gurley having 24 touchdowns in 14 games. And it seems like a, a lifetime ago. But yeah. Big Ben, in 2018, they went 9-6-1. and one, but With Antonio Brown, right, though? With Antonio yes. Brown. Right. Yeah. He led the league in completions – and attempts, and yards. He also led in picks, mind you. But he was That's a 5,000-yard passer in his last full season, and it's not that far a move. No, yeah, he and still got it, I believe. It's just it was a, a question if he the offensive weapons John. are there. Are the offensive weapons there? We will see. And I think, I think they are. I mean, it's not, the, it's not the volatility on and off the field of Antonio Brown, obviously, because it's not 
it's not A.B. Martavis, Juju, that yeah, absolutely right. dominant high-powered offense. I love Deontay Johnson. Love, love, love. I mean, we'll see what they do with Juju personally. <laughs> I think Juju's gone after this year unless they tag him. Yeah. I don't expect him to sign Juju to a long-term deal. I think it's a prove-it year for him and his final year of his contract. But I just – I'm just you know, the Steelers are going to win games. And and yeah. Exactly. Um, and they have the second easiest schedule in the league, which I think is definitely going to benefit Ben coming back from this injury. Yep. All right. Defensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, Chase Young is kind of an easy pick here. So I went a little bit different direction. I mean, it's not a guarantee it will be Chase Young. I shouldn't say that. But I went a little bit a different direction. Uh, also a first-round defensive lineman in Javon Kinlaw. Um, similar to Chase Young, uh, he'll play, he'll step right into an absolutely loaded defensive front. He won't see a single double team all year, probably, with Nick Bosa um, on the outside of him and playing alongside Teron Armstead, or sorry, Arik Armstead, um, and also D Ford. Um, you know, Young will be in a similar situation, so I expect them both to put up big numbers. I just think, once again, like Kinlaw will be on the better team playing more big games, just more in the national spotlight. So I think kind of, you know, as the media kind of, you know, creates these storylines as the season goes on and people become favorites for awards, I like Kinlaw to be the defensive rookie of the year. So all the reasons you just lined Kinlaw to be your defensive rookie of the year uh, applies to mine as well. And my pick is going to be Patrick Queen of the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like what you said about, I mean, Chase Young. Uh, but I think the scary thing is uh, Washington has one of the best D-lines in football now, and Chase Young might be the guy getting the double teams on that D-line in his rookie year. Which is crazy, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't expect that team to win more than five games, national coverage. Uh, his, I mean, he's going to blow up the stat sheet. Obviously, I still expect him to. But I think Patrick Queen coming in as a rookie. I mean, when we saw Baltimore – when we saw this pick come in at the draft, I know you and I texted each other and we're like, wow, I can't believe I was so the league just I let was this so happen. Pissed. I was so um, And Baltimore, I mean, has been looking for a replacement for C.J. Mosley uh, after he left for New York. But, I mean, it could not have been a – like, I think if you're looking at the entire first round, offensive or defensive – there was no better pick to scheme fit than Patrick Queen from no, Baltimore Ravens. No, and need and and yeah. just values. Just yeah. It, it was the perfect pick. It was um, the perfect pick. I think I think he's gonna show up on the stat sheet. He's gonna show up off the stat sheet. I mean the team And then once gonna, again the easiest, playing in those schedule games. in the league. Exactly. They're gonna have the easiest schedule in the league. He's gonna play in playoff games as a rookie, probably being the leader of the defense, or at least the play caller of the defense. I just I think he's probably – I haven't checked the odds. If I had to guess, he's probably second behind Chase Young, maybe. So it's kind of a cop-out. But I think it's almost too easy to pick. Honestly. Yes, no. That, that's good. Very sound, sound logic there. Um, now on the offensive side of the ball for rookies, I went with Jonathan Taylor here. Um, okay. You know, I was kind of – you know, I, I don't like picking a quarterback for this because, it, it, you know, it's rare they have that much success as a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're going to try to control the ball, run the ball, uh, you know, with Phillip Rivers behind center and that great offensive line. Um, 
Taylor, you know, there, you know, Marlon Mack is in that backfield and he's a productive player, but he's had a little bit of trouble staying on the field the past couple of years. And he's not even close to as talented as Jonathan Taylor. So maybe at the beginning of the season, they, they split reps uh, evenly, but I think by mid season, Jonathan Taylor will have that starting uh, job uh, secured firmly. And, you know, again, that offensive line is so good. I would not be surprised at all to see Jonathan Taylor get like 1,200 plus yards, a similar year to Josh Jacob. Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs last year for, for Oakland or what, who was at the time Oakland. But I think the Colts will be a better team. Once again, Taylor more in the spotlight. I think he goes for like 1,200 uh, yards, 10 touchdowns. He does need to improve out of the backfield um, to really stay on the field on third downs. But I like Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I like the Jonathan Taylor pick, but again, I think I think it's going to mirror more of Miles Sanders' season last year than Josh Jacobs. That's fair. Where That's fair. the first half of the season, they pulled the whole rookie bullshit spiel of not giving him the full workload. Um, you know, because Marlon Mack only played, I think, 1,400 games last year, but he was a pro bowler and had 1,100 rushing yards. Right. Marlon Mack no, is, he a is a good player. player. He's a good player. But he's not Jonathan Taylor. No. Um and like you said, catching passes out of the backfield. I mean, Naheem Hines is a great third down back that they have. So it's, it's the combination of a loaded backfield and I don't think Jonathan Taylor getting the majority of the workload for the entire season. Um, and that's why I'm, this is my cop-out pick and it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think it's it's just too obvious. I mean – I love yeah. Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is going to light the league up, but in doing that, his team might only win four games. Um, but Andy Reid running backs, and this is this is the fantasy player me coming out. Andy Reid running backs. It's no, there's the guys that Brian fill up Westbrook. the stat sheet. Yeah, this is exactly. Brian I mean, he's going to, especially with the Damian Williams opt out. I think it's a. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was lock. the nail in the coffin for because the thing with Jonathan Taylor is he's not he doesn't know if he's getting the workload until week seven and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, mind you, Andy Reid doesn't he won't get the snaps he'll probably get sixty percent of the snaps but that's just how Andy Reid runs it, but he's going to be averaging twenty touches a game the entire season as a rookie, and is a pass catcher for the best player in all of football on yeah. the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean. Yeah. No, no, that is um, – there's a reason he's the favorite for it. Um, yeah, and exactly. I think, I think he has the best chance to win it. I, I do. Um, yeah. So, coach of the year, I had some trouble with this one because, you know, I was kind of looking at the odds and, like, Bruce Arians is up there mm-hmm. and that's not – you know, I don't love that. Um, who was another guy up there? Um, you know, Kingsbury's up there again. You know, I understand why, but just wasn't really doing it for me. So I went with Sean McDermott. Um, okay. And, you know, the, this is probably the one I like the least, the pick I like the least, because they did kind of make a little bit of a jump last year. They won 11 games. Um, mm-hmm. Right? They won 11 games. Um, and so I don't really think they can improve a whole lot more than that. Like, what are they going to do, win 12 games? But I do think Josh Allen takes a big step forward with Stefan Diggs and – I think, again, the fact that, like, I think they'll win the AFC East and it'll be a whole thing, like the Bills are the, you know, first team. To yeah, win 20 the years, AFC somebody else won in, it. In a long time or since um, since 2008, probably, when, when Brady was out for the year. Yeah. But 
I think Josh Allen takes a step forward. I think the Bills win a playoff game. Probably not two because, you know, Chiefs and Ravens. I agree. I think they're a really competitive three seed uh, in the AFC this year. And I just like what they're doing with that team, front office and everything. So I gave it to Sean McDermott. Uh, yeah, I like the pick. Um, but this is my second Pittsburgh Steeler on my list because I got Mike Tomlin winning coach of the year. Um, Again, I think Mike Tomlin – I mean, there's a joke of Mike Tomlin losing control of the locker room every year. It's kind of just a Twitter meme at this point. But he's just always been the most underappreciated head coach in the NFL. I mean, at the time, he was the young – I don't know if he st- still is, but at the time, he was the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. And on top of that, I mean, since he's been in Pittsburgh for – I mean, well, it seems like a while now at this point. Um, he's never had a losing season. Um, and I don't think that's talked about enough. I mean, he's got a couple eight and eights in there, but if that's your worst record during your head coaching tenure, you're doing a pretty damn good job. I just think the talent on both sides of the ball is going to show a lot this year, especially with the cupcake schedule they got. So I have Big Ben and Tomlin carpooling to the award ceremony here. I think this team's going to go probably 11 and five they're going to be a wild card team just because of baltimore but i, I yeah they could be Steelers, like they could be like what um they could be like what the seahawks were last year kind of uh behind san francisco it could be that sort of deal um exactly just like a, just like a super powered wild card team yeah exactly and a little breaking news here on the show georgia quarterback jamie newman is opting out of the season oh there we and go jt daniels right on JT Daniel, yep. fight on. Ton of potential. I hope he plays. I'm, I'm excited to see him play with a good coaching staff, a good competent coaching staff that knows how to develop players properly, five-star players properly. So hopefully mm-hmm. he gets developed and has a great college career. Yeah, I mean, we got, on. we got college football this weekend. I mean, I don't know if you watched. No, no, not real college watched. football, though. No, I did. S- I SMU's playing. SMU's playing. Uh, uh, you know, that actually is real. <laughs> No, I take that back. Um, Did you watch Austin PA State last week? I watched the first play. <laughs> yeah, I saw the first play did. live. <laughs> um, that game was ridiculous. And the quarterback's the punter, and he almost had as many punts as completions yeah. in the third quarter. Yeah. God, I'm so excited for real football. Yep. All right, defensive player of the year. I'm going to go – I feel pretty good about this one. It's, it's, it's Vaughn Miller for me. Um, okay. Not only is it the absolutely ridiculous picture he posted of himself on Instagram, <laughs> where I have not seen a quad that, like, no, he's he looks a monster in phenomenal shape. And, you know, he, his production dipped a bit last year. He only had eight sacks, which is still, you know, fine. But it's Von, it's Von Miller here we're talking about. This is a Hall of Fame guy if he retired today. Um, mm mm-hmm. But I think a big part of this, too, is that, you know, I think he bounces back after last year production-wise. But also, as Denver's offense improves, other teams uh, will be passing the ball more, more opportunity for sacks and pressures and to make plays like that. Um, Just like when Peyton Manning was there, you know, teams were passing all the time because they were trailing or tight games. Vaughn Miller had all of those sack opportunities. So Vaughn Miller, I think, gets 15-plus sacks this year and a few – maybe a few scores off of forced fumbles. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like a broken record here. But 
I have TJ Watt as my defensive player of the year pick. Wow, a third <laughs> steal. And yeah, and it's crazy that, you know, I have three of my seven awards going to Pittsburgh Steelers and they're not even going to win their division. Um, that is odd. But I mean, just looking at, I just, I don't know. I think Lamar's season last year, his MVP year was ridiculous. But again, I think it's going to be like a Mahomes second year, you know, where statistically it'll decline, but the team on field will win more dominantly. And that's not because of anything he's like retroactively doing, but it's just kind of how it happens. Um, So although I have Pittsburgh as a wild card team, well, I actually have Patrick Queens, my only Raven on here. Yeah, I got a lot of AFC North love on today's episode. But I just think TJ Watt was snubbed last year, honestly. Snubbed over Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore had an outstanding season. Come on. He had an outstanding season. I mean, I, I can pull up the clips of him getting burnt several games last year, but several he's an outstanding player. One game. Several games. What Which about game the are you one thinking of? Uh, the Bills game at the end of the year, John Brown. God, that, was, that one might have been the best round of the year. Anyways, point being, <laughs> Stephon Gilmore was the best defensive player in the NFL last year, other than Aaron Donald. <laughs> he was the second. I mean, yeah, but like – like, you have to look at it like how LeBron could win MVP, like, every year for the last 10 years, you know? No, I know. I, I wasn't saying like, – Because Aaron Donald could have won it last year and nobody could have blinked. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, anyways, TJ Watt, but, I like it. He put up big numbers last year, and I think he'll do it again. He's young, getting better. Um, exactly. And I, don't, I think the Rams and the Patriots, I don't expect either of them to have winning records. And that's the thing here. Yeah, and, no, it won't be Gilmore or Donald, probably. I don't Exactly. And looking at the people who are always favored to win it, I mean, Khalil Mack? No, I don't think the Bears. No, I, yeah. I think he's going to be the best player on the best, like, on the best team on defense. Right. That's, gonna that's be why Gilmore won it last year. Yeah. Same exactly. Here. And that's yeah. why I think he's – like, Baltimore is going to have win more games than Pittsburgh, but are they going to have one guy show up out of, like, and stand out out of that entire defense? I mean – Probably I don't not. expect no. Marlon Humphrey to make that big of a jump. I mean, he's yeah. already one of the top ten corners in the league, but I don't, I don't think he's gonna have a Gilmore esque season. So that's why I have T.J. Watt taking away Defensive Player of the Year here. All right, I'm gonna keep it going in the AFC North here for Offensive Player of the Year. Oh boy, Nick Chubb will wow. be the Breakout Player of the Year in the NFL this year, I believe. Um, wow. Okay. I think he gets close to 2,000 yards and, like, a lot of touchdowns, probably maybe close to 15. Um, I, I really do believe in Kevin Stefanski getting this offense back on track uh, with a, kind of that run-heavy play-action scheme. Mm. They upgraded their offensive line immensely, and yes. Chubb still ran, ran wild last year. Um, I just really do think he is a – um, Marshawn Lynch with, with more juice, uh, with more uh, acceleration um, and just more explosiveness overall. He can catch the ball at the backfield. Um, I think it's one of those years where a running back just puts up crazy, crazy numbers, or, or I should say a skill position player puts up crazy, crazy numbers. And although they would not win MVP, 
because of their just positional. Yeah, value. we saw it happen last year. Um, yeah, yeah, it's basically Michael Thomas breaking the record. I don't think Chubb will break a record necessarily, but I think statistically he will be the most. He'll be he'll be the storyline of the year statistically in terms of the numbers he puts up. Yeah, and I mean Chubb basically had a fifteen hundred yard rushing season last year, and he would have been the league's rushing leader if Derrick Henry didn't. I mean, Derrick Henry played at the 4 p.m. slot and ended up beating him by, I don't know, like 50 yards. Um, And he had eight touchdowns last year. And Nick Chubb was, like, historically the worst red zone running back, like, ever last year. I don't know if you knew that. He managed to have eight touchdowns on the ground. I mean, it's not exactly that. But he had eight rushing touchdowns last year. And I think on runs inside the five, he had, like, 15 carries for one touchdown. So I think it's obvious positive touchdown regression in that regard. Like I don't think I don't think you right, yeah. have a worse conversion rate inside like the a five team, next year. like a team that you know goes two and six in one possession games one year brings everyone exactly. They're gonna win um, games. Yeah, and I expect Cleveland have a better year this year. But my offensive player of the year pick is McCaffrey. I think. Fair. I mean, I like the Nick Chubb pick, but again, I mean, it's going to be a thousand thousand guy. Where that's where Nick Chubb lacks. I mean, yeah, fifteen hundred rushing yards it, is certainly a feat. If he does it again, like for a second straight year like that, then you have to give it to him. Yeah, you got to have to give it to him. That's a good point. Because again, you got to think about the storylines and what will be trendy with the media. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, like if the Browns are a playoff team, then yeah, there's Nick Chubb. But right, right. I mean, again, the Panthers are going to be mediocre this year. I mean, they're probably a six and ten team again, but. There's nobody outside of a quarterback, obviously, but he's he is this entire team, not just the offense. He's the entire team. Mind yeah. you, they're not a playoff team, but just the snap percentages, the percentage of the team's total. I think I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think he was the only player in the league to have fifty percent of the team's total touches, which is oh, he had to have been yeah. completely just a. He was the number one receiver and running back for the team last year. I mean, yeah. DJ Moore is a monster. He's a stud. But I expect McCaffrey to just have another 1,000-1,000 season and get the respect he deserves. Yep. Um, all right, two running backs for Offensive Player of the Year. And I saved my cop-out. It's like we each got a mulligan. I saved my cop-out for MVP. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've been watching a ton of NBA lately. Um, Obviously, it's great with the playoffs. I'm glad it was able to be resumed. And, you know, this guy I see having some similarities to a star player in the NBA right now. And that is Lamar Jackson for my MVP. And then I believe it'll be a Giannis Antetokounmpo-esque situation where the Ravens will just run it back uh, similar to the way the Bucks did this year and just be the most dominant team in the league in the regular season. Maybe postseason, we'll see, but that's not really important for the MVP. Um, they're going to dominate the regular season. They bring everyone back. No offseason. They didn't really need it. Other teams do, like Pittsburgh especially with Big Ben. They're going to mm-hmm. win 14 games. Like This team's going to win 14 games. I'm very confident. 13, 14 games. Lamar will statistically regress a little bit, Mm-hmm. naturally you cannot expect him to do what he did last year again but I still think like at the when you when we finish the year it, I know it's a boring pick but 
I just is Mahomes, Lamar. I mean, Russell Wilson's always there. You know, <clears throat> somehow still hasn't gotten a vote, I think. Um, but I just think when, when it's, when the dust settles at the end of the year, Lamar will just, you'll kind of have to give it to him just because of how good the Ravens were and how good he was statistically. And, you know, just a highlight real machine once again. All right. So I saved my boldest prediction for the league's biggest award. So we were exact opposite on this one. Though. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. But I have some slight rebuttal for your Lamar pick. So he's like, we both agree. He's going to statistically regress next season. Um, Lamar was, Lamar led the league in passing touchdowns last year, and he was 22nd in yards and 26th in attempts. Right. No, he had an insane touchdown. There's, there's no more clear regression rate in terms of passing touchdowns in any season in NFL history. It was an absurd, like, I think it was 10% was his touchdown rate. Yeah, it was like when nine. passing the ball. It was like nine or more, yeah. Um, and it's hard to remember that Lamar was the sixth best rusher in the NFL last year in terms of yardage. Right. But I do think both numbers will go down, obviously, trying to secure Lamar's health for the playoffs. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. If the Ravens go 14-2 and two again, they're clearly the best team in the He's NFL. He's the best the player on the best team. And Lamar passes for like 3,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, like six or seven picks, and then rushes for like 800 yards and another like six touchdowns while still being a highlight machine. Like those are still MVP numbers, in my opinion. Um, and that would be some some pretty sizable regression. But, but anyways, I understand. I mean, that's that that's a career high in yardage. So do you think his passing numbers are going to – I mean, the touchdowns – I think his yardage think... will go up, touchdowns down. Okay. Because I think he'll improve so, as a passer over the offseason. Naturally, like his deep ball will get better. His his precision will get better. I do I do believe that. Yeah. Um. So, again, the last player to win back-to-back MVPs was Peyton Manning. Right. In 2008 and 2009. And before him, you have to go all the way back to when Favre won three in a row. That's crazy. For, from 95 to 97. Yeah, not talked about enough. He won three MVPs in a row. But it's not – it's basically unheard of to win back-to-back MVPs. Yeah. No, yeah, and that's the difference between my NBA analogy. It's much, much different case in the NBA in that case. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LeBron should have like eight. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, this is my boldest prediction. I've been on this guy all off season, And looking at the odds is kind of what, like, made me pick him today because – I do think it's a definite possibility that he can win MVP. He's not going to be everybody's favorite, but he's tied for fifth in odds right now when looking at the NFL MVP odds on Odd Shark. So I think if you're a gambling man, I would throw some money on it. And it's Dak Prescott. Oh. <laughs> and I know you hate Dak Prescott. I do not hate Dak Prescott. <laughs> We need to set the record straight on that. I just don't think they'll be good enough as a team. How many wins do you think the Cowboys are going to get this year? Because nine, they also have one tops, of the easiest schedules. Nine tops. They they're not the best easiest team schedules in the league. They're not going to win their division. Yes, they are. No, they're not. They're not okay. going to win their division. So, I mean, the Eagles continue to drop like flies, so I can't defend that. But I, I think they need 11, 12 wins if Dak is MVP. 
and I think they'll get there. I think they're going to steamroll through the schedule, dude. They have a – all my awards today, they all have cakewalks of schedules, dude. I don't know who makes the league schedules. I don't know what they're doing. But last year, they gave the Pats the easiest schedule in the NFL, and now they gave it to Baltimore. And now so we I, have – yeah, and now the Pats have the hardest. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who's doing this. I mean, I know there's some science to it based on where you finish in the division and then divisional pairings year over year. But right. it's just it's weird. It, man. Anyways, Dak, I think – Like, what do you think his Dak, numbers will be for, for him to win this award? Dak last year had 4,900 passing yards. I'm, t- I'm talking, like, touchdown to interception, like, like okay, 35 so and year, 8. Like, I think he's going to lead the league in like passing. That. In yardage. I think he's going to lead the league in passing. Yeah, but passing yards don't matter by themselves. He was second in yards and fourth in TDs last year. So how many, how many touchdowns for Dak this year? Put last year, he threw 30, okay? And looking at the people ahead of him were Lamar with 36, and that's going to go down, and Jameis Okay, but, so, but I mean, And Russ had 31. I think he's going to be a 5,000-yard passer and throw 34 touchdowns. 34, I, 36. I, I could see that. And, like, and like, and that's barely picks, an increase like eight from to, last eight year. Eight to ten picks, right? Eight to yeah, ten. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had 11 picks last year. But I just – there's so many weapons on the offense. Zeke's, yeah. Zeke just casually rushes for 1,600 yards every season. Um, they have yeah. – do you think this is the best receiver core in the league of Tampa? Ooh. Um, I would probably like, – Like including tight ends? Like best weapons or just wide receivers? Just re- – I mean, just receivers. Because if you throw in tight ends, Tampa's uh, – No, no, no. It's, it's, still, it's still Tampa. It's still Tampa. Me, just because of how, how much better. I mean, like Dallas is great, but Amari Cooper is not as good as Mike Evans. And – Chris Godwin could take another step this year. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, we'll the top two. And, like, C.D. Lamb is a rookie. I mean, I know we love C.D. Lamb. Yeah. I'd, I'd be shocked if he didn't perform. But he is a rookie. And Michael Gallup, again, I like I love him. Michael but Gallup. As a third guy, great. Um, but I think the top two of Tampa is just too, too elite. Yeah, I mean, I think with those three, I like Blake Jarwin as their tight end. I don't They're know how solid. you feel about that. It's solid. Um, Uninspired. I, I just – I just think they're underrated on both sides of the ball. I expect the Cowboys to win their division. And with that, probably realistically, they're probably 11 and five. I'm not going to say they go 12 and four. Cause that's a heavy prediction. That is a heavy, but I think, I think the Cowboys go 11 and five. I think Zeke is in the top five in rush. I think they're probably going to lead in total offense. In my opinion, I think yeah. Zeke's going to be a top, top three in rushing. And I think Dak's going to lead the league in yardage and touchdowns passing. I mean, maybe this is just the Jason Garrett Cowboy era bias I have I have against that team. Right now, it's a, I don't have as I don't disagree with you when you're talking about how explosive their offense will be mm-hmm. and how how potent it'll be and the numbers that Dak and that team will put up. I yeah. I just don't see the team success. Yeah, I I I see the hesitation, but I'm just a Dak Prescott guy. I mean. He had no. He had a phenomenal year last year. Nobody. It's because they went eight and eight, but nobody talks about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you in how potent this offense could be, and I expect it to be that way. I agree. I can definitely see him putting up those numbers like 5,000 yards and 34 touchdowns. But I just personally don't think the team will be good enough. Um, so I like the pick. Again, you mentioned the odds. I think the odds are good. Um, and I might even hop on those just, you know, as a financial decision, purely financial. Not that I think it'll happen because I'm arguing against it right now. But um, I think you brought up a lot of good points. Um, but, yeah. That's, that's just where we differ. I think, I think the Cowboys are going to win the division at 11-5. and five, And I think he's going to lead the league in passing. I mean, I don't know what else to say. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm confident in Dak thing. Prescott. Here's the other thing. Going back to the storyline deal with the awards, like he was such a big story all year. This is, um, you know, a big year for him. And, you know, everyone talking about his contract all offseason. So America's if he were to play that well, he would definitely be, you know, leading all the talk shows that he'd be a storyline from week one from start to finish um, with the regular season. Um, yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd still probably get bounced in the first round, mind you. But. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, well, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. That's all we have for you today with episode 11 of the Everyday Scout, our award predictions. Um, next episode will be a, a preview of week one, and it'll be released on the first day of the NFL regular season when the Houston Texans travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Now I'm really starting to get excited. Um, Mm -hmm. The excitement is palpable. It hadn't really been there for me all offseason just because of the unknown of the season. I didn't even think it would happen for a little bit, but we're so close now. Even if the season doesn't finish, I just hopefully we can get as many games as we can. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I just watched week one over and over again. Also, something I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode. You see, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Goodell came out and said that there's no advantage to some teams having fans and some not. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, you, the owners that are allowed to have fans in there are so desperate yeah. to do that, and I don't blame them. Like, what is First what is game the of the season, we'll yeah. have NFL fans. Right. Like, what is the competition committee going to come out and say, like, oh, it's not fair, so then Goodell would be forced for the integrity of the league, you know, to cancel all fans. So I, I understand why he did it. It's obviously illogical, but it, I wasn't surprised that he said it, really. Um, yeah. All right, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we're excited to get into the season with next episode. Yeah, talk to you guys next week with our week one preview.